Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you ready for the Bible? Very good. And Jeremy, I'm going to stick with plan A. Very good. All right, I'm going to read to you Psalm 18, verse 6. It says this, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. For his temple, from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. I love that. In my distress, I called to the Lord. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to worship you and to hear your word and to be together. And God, we just give you this time. And Our hearts are open, Lord. We want to hear from you exactly what you have for us. So everyone here, Lord, will receive and everyone online will receive something that's specifically for them today. God, we thank you. We worship you. And I pray for the Lord, the leading and empowerment of your spirit to impart what you put in my heart today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, you know, last week we talked about family. We talked about having a vision for your family and how that applies to those who already have a family, those who've raised their families. That applies to those who are yet to start a family. What a vision is, is seeing something before it comes to pass and saying, here's what I believe God wants for my family. We talked about a family is God's building block for society. Family is Jesus's idea. He came up with family. He instituted family. And we have the opportunity to participate in this plan for humanity, family. And last week was about vision for the future. And this week, what I want to talk to you about is curveballs. Some of us went to a baseball game the other night, and there were curveballs, right? When life takes a turn that you did not anticipate, sometimes life happens. And you think, this was not the plan. Anybody ever have that happen? Like, I, this was not the plan. I didn't see it coming. I didn't want it to come. I would not have wished this even on my enemies. Like, this was not the plan. And so today we're going to study King David in the Old Testament before he became King David. He had a tough road to becoming king. His predecessor, King Saul, was crazy jealous of David and actually tried to kill him. And even though David was anointed to become king, Saul was like, nope, I, you know, I'm too jealous of you. They had this famous song, David's kill, or Saul has killed his thousands and David's killed his ten thousands. And it made Saul insanely jealous. And so David is living in this this paradox. He is called to be a king, and yet he's living life on the run from the current king. And so in 1 Samuel 27, what happens? We find David running from the king, and he comes up with this plan. He says, you know what? I'm tired of running from the king. I'm tired of this. I'm going to go hide with my enemies. And so he takes his 600 men, and he says, let's go live with the enemy, the Philistines, which was a pretty bold play because David has killed a lot of Philistines. He's actually killed a really famous one who's pretty tall. Um, you may have heard of him, Goliath. Yeah, that guy. But he says, I'm going to go live with the Philistines. And so he, he approaches King Achish, and Achish decided to trust David. And he said, you know what? 
if David is on the outs with Saul, then um, maybe I can leverage David against the Israel. And so Achish was very happy to receive him. And David was, was pretty sneaky. Um, what he would do is he would go out and he would um, raid the enemies of Israel and he would come back and he would tell the Philistines, oh, I raided our, the enemies of the Philistines. And he would just tell them that kind of thing. And so he did this uh, time and time again. And, um, and then in 1 Samuel 28 and 29, the Philistines were getting ready to attack Israel. And it was like, oh. And so King Achish comes to David and says, hey, I want you to join us, be a part of this. We're going to go out and, ta- and take out the Israelites. And uh, David's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I- I'm coming. Our guy, we're game, man. We're in it. Yeah. But the other Philistine commanders protested. They were, kind of, they were, they were like, nah, cuz. Actually, they didn't say it that way. They said, they said nah, cuz in Hebrew. Um, 1 Samuel 29, verse 4 says this. But the Philistine commanders were angry with Achish and said, send the man back that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us into battle or he will turn against us, talking about David, turning against them during the fighting. How better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of our own men? Isn't this the David that they sang about in their dances? <laughs> Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. I'm still convinced it was country. Doesn't that sound country? Saul has killed his thousands. Anyhow, I'm pretty sure we should put it to all different kinds of genres of music and see what, what works, right? I'm sure there's a hymn version. Saul has killed his... <laughs> Lots of versions. Whatever version sticks with your heart. So Achish sends David back to Ziglag, which is where they were living. And yeah, they were right. David was going to likely turn on the Philistines. All indications are that way because David wasn't even hurting the, uh, his own people while he was with the Philistines. And David is anointed to be the next king. He's certainly not going to draw Israeli blood, right? And so David and his men, they go back to Ziglag. And um, I, I'm kind of curious. I'd like to follow up someday about the story of what David thought was going to happen. Because he gets sent away, and I'm sure he wasn't expecting that. That was a curveball on its own. But he's about to face one of the greatest, most unexpected challenges of his life. He just thinks he's going back to his family. And we're going to pick this up in 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. It says, David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They had killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way. Y'all catching this? David and his 600 men, they arrive in Ziglag and it is burning. It has been, or it has been burnt, right? The women, the children, the young and the old, they're all gone. Now that's an eerie thing. Verse 3, when David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters had been taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. And um, Jeremy, if you will put verse 5, but not verse 6 up. Verse 5, David's two wives had been captured. I don't know how to say this word. Ahinoam 
and Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him, each one bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. They are devastated, appropriately so. Can you imagine? I mean, let's, let's make it current. You go home and your house is on fire and your family's not there. I mean, I can't, that's a horrible thing to face. These men are gutted. They're overwhelmed. They are, as David uh, describes, greatly distressed, right? And David's men are ready to kill him, literally, not figuratively, ready, ready to stone him. Um, this is not scripture, but Mike Tyson said, <laughs> everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. He was facing Evander Holyfield, and they were interviewing him, and they were like, uh, so what's your plan, da 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 And he's, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, he's, he's like, yeah, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I, I, I don't know if you've ever had that happen. I've had the privilege of being punched in the head. <laughs> I was in middle school, and this kid all day long told everyone, I'm going to kick his, well, we're in church. And all day long, he told everybody, and I was like, I didn't know. I heard it from other people. I was like, this guy's going to beat me up. I barely knew the guy. We leave school that day, and that guy just starts wailing on my head, and I made it to the bus. I mean, I was, I was not an aggressive uh, middle schooler. I was afraid for my life, and I just got on the bus in my shame and my panic and, and just was like, oh, my gosh, take me home. Um, but I can attest, it was stunning. <laughs> it took me by surprise. And, you know, what, there are, um, have you ever had that happen in your life where life punches you in the mouth? Where the enemy punches you in the mouth? Where you get punched in the head and, or you get hit so hard, so quick, you're like, where was that? Where was that coming? I didn't even know that. And you are just in, literally, you are in shock. I was having breakfast with Pastor Bobby this week, and I was describing to him as we're eating breakfast, I said, you know, I'm, I'm in this really sweet season of life. Um, I'm so thankful. And um, having lived through some pretty rough storms in my only 49 years, um, you just begin to appreciate the really good seasons when they're happening, right? And, and I was thinking after last week's message about uh, vision for family and things like that. It's just like, man, I, I am so thankful. And uh, Elizabeth and I are so thankful for the 10 days we have with all the kids in, in the same state at the same time where our hearts are full. And I was thinking as a dad, because sometimes I'll have these talks with my children. I talked about one of them last week. And I was thinking about how to prepare my children for storms of life. How do I prepare them for the mouth punch, that head punch that comes, that's unexpected and um, you know, can stun you and it can leave you kind of numb in that moment and I was thinking, I was sharing with Pastor Bobby, I was like, I don't want my children to live in fear, but I don't want them to not know how to respond. Do y'all follow me? Like, you don't want to live life just waiting for the other shoe to drop and waiting for what's next. You live your life like you are, I don't know, whatever comes next. You know, you're just like, it's just going to be bad. I just don't know what the bad is yet till it gets to my doorstep. And you're just like, like, that is no way to live this life. Jesus came that you may have life and life to the full. He's a good God. He's got a good plan for you. I've read the end of the book. It's really good if you're following Jesus. Really good. 
So we don't live in fear, but we do live on a broken world. And Pastor Bobby preached about that a few weeks ago. We live in this broken world, and there are storms of life, and there are some head punches that come, and they never come at a convenient time. No one said, oh, I saw that coming. Then then that wasn't a head punch. So how do we prepare for the unexpected without living in fear? David's men weren't prepared. David's men went into a tailspin. They were ready to kill their leader. They were like, I need to take this out on someone. David, where is he? Like, we'll kill him. I've seen this happen to really good people in their life where they get stunned and they revert to an instinctive carnal realm. It's not that they planned to like turn their back on God or get, get carnal or, or go into sin. I've seen Christians get punched in the face and they turn to sin looking for relief, like looking for something that, to relieve the pain that they're in. And, and one reason they turn to sin is because sometimes it's because they're disillusioned. They're just kind of like in that place where they're like, how could God let this happen? Anybody here ever thought that? Right? How could God let this happen? And that's a a tactic of the enemy to separate you from God. Because God's not the one who said that to you. It's the enemy. How could God let that? I thought he loved you. I thought he was looking out for you. I thought he had your back. Mm. Mm -mm. And all of a sudden, we've turned on the one who's our source. Right? But, you know, recognize, when you're stunned and when you're in pain, it's not like logic's just flowing. (laughs) Well, let me just work this out on some graph paper. Like, it doesn't work that way. And we see this, this, this pattern in the, in, the, uh, in the Word. You know, when, when uh, Peter had turned his back on Jesus, it said the devil sought to sift Peter. S-I-F-T, to sift Peter. You know, the enemy, when he came to tempt Jesus, he didn't do it at the beginning of the 40-day fast. He waited till Jesus was hungry, and he had gone 40 days without food and water, and then he brought temptation, right? There was a timing thing. Scripture talks about the opportune time when Herod's daughter would go to Herod and say, I want the head of John the Baptist. The enemy bides his time. He ain't playing fair. He's looking for the opportune time. He's looking for when you're down. That's when he wants to punch you in the face. But our God is greater. And our God fights for us. And one thing we can't do is shrink back when we're in shock. Now, I do think we need one another when we're in shock. You know, I've I've shared many times over the years about the shock of when my mom passed in 2011 and how difficult that was for me and how I went from a whole person to about 60%, just like that, in a moment. And one of the things that was a real blessing to me was you. Because everybody knew he's really going through something and it's just going to take him time to feel like himself. It took me two years. Two years before I felt like I was 95% of a person again. It was just a very, very long journey. But having patient, loving people who are rooting for me and praying for me, thank you. Like that matters. Who you surround yourself matters. I can't imagine doing it on my own. I can't, I can't imagine. And, and y'all ain't perfect, I love you. But you don't need perfect people, but you need God's people. So let's go back to Scripture. David's men are ready to stone him. Hopefully this story is going to turn around or we don't have a King David. 1 Samuel 30, 
I, I, I wanted to leave this out for a moment because I didn't want to jump ahead because I wanted to, the buildup, if you will, of the men are so disillusioned and they're ready to kill David. In the latter part of verse 6 says this, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Man, the profoundness of this statement. I wish, I wish this statement was like four chapters long. Sometimes you read something in the Bible and you just kind of keep on going, right? Like, but the profoundness of this, but David found strength in the Lord. David was devastated by these, these circumstances. His family has been carried off. His men have now turned against him, but David found his strength in the Lord his God. When he was in shock, he found his strength in the Lord his God. When he was numb with pain, he found his strength in the Lord his God. When he, when he probably could not think straight, he found his strength in the Lord his God. There is strength that you can gain in the Lord. There is perspective that can only be gained when you get before the Lord. There is a source of a capacity, a wherewithal that can only be tapped into in the Lord. And it's not this like mamby-pamby kind of prayer. Oh, Jesus, help me. This is the cry out to the Lord, like that opening verse in Psalms. We cry out to the Lord, right? A seeking, a drawing upon him, and, and, you know, and he will be your strength. David, the thing about David is he had spent a lifetime crying out to the Lord. He'd spent a lifetime creating this pattern of relationship with the Lord. This wasn't David's first hard time in his life, but this is probably the hardest time he had ever come up to up to this point. And it was his practice to spend time with the Lord. It was his practice to seek the Lord. And the thing was, David went to what he knew. My question for you is, when you get that punch in the face, what is the thing that you know that you will go to? Because this isn't, this isn't a message to just remember on the day that you get the face, the, the face punch, right? This is, the, this is the message to be like going, I, the, I need to feed myself with the word and I need to be with the Lord day by day because this world is broken and it takes you by surprise and I need to be ready so that my first inclination, the first thing in my heart to do is I have got to go get with the Lord. Your spiritual disciplines today are going to serve you on that day. What you practice today will serve you on that day. The other thing is, like, we have to have a predetermined response. Like, when life punches you in the face. There has to be this thing in you, like, I already know what I'm going to do. You know, if my car gets dinged up, what am I gonna, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna call my insurance company. I've already made that decision. <laughs> hey, you know that money I've been sending you? Yeah. Every month I send you that money. Yeah, I want some of it back now. Like predetermined, that's who I'm calling. Right? But in our lives, like our predetermined response, and this can work in the day to day. Some of us we get discouraged and we're turning to things that aren't Jesus. Right? And, and I just want to encourage you, if you find yourself doing that, I'm not here to condemn you today. I'm just here to call you to him. I'm here to just say, don't turn to something else. Turn to him first, first and foremost, because those other things, they're not working. 
They're not working. I know from experience they don't work. But he works. And you know what? Like we sang today, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. That's how faith works is I trust you. And what's wonderful is that he has his presence. You can experience God's presence in your life. One of the things we love about worship is, like I said, we're, we're not here uh, for a performance when we come in here and sing. We are here to sing unto the Lord. Like, and we know, we, we invite him when we're praying. We say, Lord, you are welcome here. Come and be in this place as we worship. We're privileged to have you in your house. And we want you to be in this place as we worship. And, and it, it is a personal interaction. And you can have that same thing at home. It's just easy here. It's easy here because a lot of people have prayed and done work and things like that. You can slip right into it, and that's intentional. We want that for you. But in your life, to go into that place, to go into that presence, you read those psalms that David had written. You think of all these psalms that he's written over his lifetime. Now, a lot of them he wrote when he was king, but he was writing songs and new songs, and, and, was a, and he had spent time in the presence of God long before this moment came in his life. And the reality is the world around us needs us to be in that place rather than to go to these crazy places when disaster happens. We need, you see, our hope goes so deep that when disaster comes, we go, but I've got a God who's greater than disaster. I'm not blaming him for the disaster. I'm seeking him in the disaster. And when these things happen that are so debilitating and so painful, my source is the Lord. I want to go to him. So David, what he does is in this, in this time in his life, he says, you know what? I'm going to, he strengthens himself, that phrase, strengthens himself in the Lord. So powerful. If there's one thing you remember today, strengthened himself in the Lord. If we can learn to do that, you can go through anything. Strengthened himself in the Lord. So David says, all right, I've got to seek the Lord now. I've strengthened myself in the Lord, and now it's time to get an answer. And what happened was in the Old Testament for, um, for Israel, um, there was this thing called an ephod, E-P-H-O-D, ephod. And it was a pouch, and in the pouch had two items. We think they were probably stones. And um, what they would do is they just believed God would give them an answer. And so they would pray and ask God for an answer, and they'd reach in, and they'd pull out the stone. Don't do this at home. You have the Holy Spirit. Okay. They would pull out the stone, and he would look, and they would go, okay, that's the answer. And they would believe that's the answer from the Lord. And that was, a fa- that was a faith statement, just like when you listen to the Holy Spirit, that's a faith thing you do, right? And so they prayed, and they were like, God, should we go after our wives and children? Like, is this going to work? 1 Samuel 37. Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, that's a fun name. <laughs> Who's having babies? Anybody want an Ahimelech? That's kind of limericky. I like it. Anyhow, just, just consider it. Um, go with Joshua. That's fine. Um, bring the ephod. Ab- um, he said to Ahimelech, maybe you shouldn't. Um, he said, bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? I just want to hit pause for just a moment. Here's the thing. Sometimes there's what we want to do, but we still need to hear from the Lord, right? You would expect David to just do it. Like, just go, man. Just go get your kids. Go get your wife. 
But David had such an honor and a respect for the Lord and the lives of these 600 men that are devastated that he had enough respect and enough respect for God to go, I need to actually ask, right? Sometimes we're, we're in these moments of pain and challenge and we're like, well, I'm going to sell the house and I'm going to do this and I'm going to move to Arizona. And we're like, was that Jesus or was that you, right? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the res- rescue. What if David had not strengthened himself in the Lord? What if David had not sought the Lord? How different the story could have been. He sought the Lord, and we've got to hear from the Lord before we do our, take our big decisions. The Lord told David to pursue the Amalekites and, and had taken their family, that had taken their families, and they did so, and they won their families back. And um, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 18, this is remarkable. David recovered everything. I haven't done a Hebrew study. I'm just going to go with everything means everything, right? David recovered everything. Come on now. Come on now. He recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. We don't do that anymore as well. Good reason. Just just making sure we're all tracking. Um, Nothing was missing. Young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else had been taken. David brought everything back. Now that's a turnaround. That's a turnaround. What's interesting to note, though, is in the midst of all of that, they're on their way to to go take out the Amalekites, and 200 of the 600 men got tired. And David said, you guys rest here. Just just take it easy. And the other 400 went, and, um, and they were successful. And David was really wise um, because what happened was they took the plunder of the Amalekites and the 400 men who fought said, you know what? This is my interpretation. You know what? Those 200 losers, we ain't, no. No, they quit. They're quitters, you know? I think they were from the Northeast. Um, they're quitters. That's what they are. The quitters. The man be the quitters. And, and they said, we're not going to share the plunder with them. And you know what David said? He said, you know what? They're going to be included as well. Not only that, from this, we are going to give gifts to the elders in Israel. Remember, they're away from Israel right now. And David, this trial could have divided David's men. And David used it to unify them. And the reality is trials in your life will separate you from people you love and people who love you. In the midst of a trial, in the midst of one of those good head punches, man, you can just all of a sudden be like, you know what? I'm tired of so-and-so, such-and-such. And all of a sudden, you're not talking anymore. I know, I'm talking to a different church, not y'all. Just, you know, in case you know somebody, right? For a friend, right? But man, it's amazing how in the midst of those moments and those crises, the enemy will go, well, if I can't get that victory, I'll at least bring some division. The enemy wants to separate you in the midst of that. That's why... We need some humility and we need some, some, some graciousness in our heart and coming up under the Lord. And, you know, we need to be more patient in the midst of trial. And can I tell you, if you got a friend going for a, through a trial and they're acting weird and crazy and all of that, would you just love them? Seriously. Sometimes what will happen is we'll take personally how they act in the midst of their trial and all of a sudden now we're pushing them away and that's when they need you. But man, when people are going through stuff, they ain't thinking straight. 
right? So let's not push away, let's trawl in. Let's take the high road. Um, so my question for you today is, are you ready for the unexpected? Which is an ironic statement, right? Are you ready for the unexpected? Well, you can't be ready for what you don't expect, but you can be prepared with how you will respond. You can have something in you that says, you know, when, my, when I get that face punch, I'm going to the Lord. And when I get that face punch, I'm, I'm going to a community that I, that I know is imperfect, but at least they have the Lord and, and they'll love me back in the midst of it, right? Like that I'm going to have this predisposition of how I'm going to respond in those moments. I want to tell you today, you know, your first step, you know, G, uh, Ethan was talking today about introducing people to Jesus and telling them about Jesus. And, and I want to tell you today, maybe you have believed in Jesus for a really, really long time but haven't taken the step of going all in. I love the part of his story where he said there was four and then there was two. He, you know what? He did them a favor. He did them a favor because, you know, Jesus, he wants all of you. And he's worthy of all of you. He doesn't want all of you so that he control you like a robot. If he wanted to control you like a robot, he would have made you a robot. He can do that. But he wants you to love him back from your heart just like he loves you. And if you're wondering if he loves you, just look at the cross. He gave his whole life up for you. And he has paid for your sins. He has made a way back for him so that when he comes you back, he doesn't put you in the shame corner. He puts you in the child corner. He says, you are a son and daughter of the Most High. He adopts you. He says, you are part of my family. As a matter of fact, when you give your whole life to Jesus, he gives you the Holy Spirit. That's why we don't need to hear him in the phone them anymore. He gives you the, the Holy Spirit in your life. He fills you with his Holy Spirit so that you can be close to him. And so that every day you wake up, it's very simple. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. What are we up to today? Come and follow me. If you, if you haven't taken that step of going all in, before you leave today, would you... Would you talk with me? I want to pray with you. If you want to make, make that step, or if you have questions about it, like I'd love to, I love talking about it. I used to be an atheist. used to be so far from God. I'd love to talk with you wherever you are in that step. If you're online today and you're like, I need to talk to someone or I want to take that next step, go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps. And we will reach out to you this week and um, talk through, pray through whatever you want. It'd be our privilege to talk and to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me today, and we're going to, we're going to pray. And I'm going to invite um, some of our prayer team folks to come up. And um, if you want prayer, maybe, maybe I'm preaching this, and you're like, are you kidding me? I just got the face punch. And you're like, I need somebody to pray with me today and to pray with me now. Um, I just want to encourage you, receive some prayer today. If you need prayer for something else, feel free to come forward and pray. Um, after we pray, um, we're having a picnic. If you go, I didn't know we were having a picnic. You got to eat somewhere. Eat here. Have a picnic. We're having fried chicken, smoked chicken. I know we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I mean, I've heard at least two people who brought vats of macaroni and cheese. I think we need to taste test these macaroni and cheeses and, you know, give them scores. No, just kidding. No scores. But um, really, stay with us. The fellowship and being together is just a great privilege that we love as a family of God. But I, I want to pray with you and pray for you. And, I, and my prayer for us today is that we would have a predetermined response, that we would know that we're going to go to the Lord, not just like tongue in cheek, but we will go to the Lord.
and that we will have community that we can go to and be there for one another. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, Jesus. And uh, as much as we would, we'd really like to be able to control everything around us and make sure that nothing bad happened to anyone ever, we, we know that we live in a world that is not perfect and that is broken because of sin. And um, we thank you, Lord God, that you are still present. God, for those today who maybe they're hurting, maybe they're a bit stunned today, maybe they're, they're recovering from just getting off the mat from a major bout, Lord God. Come with your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Comfort those who mourn. Come and lift people up off the mat today. Come and bring your encouragement and your strength. Come and bring your presence. And Lord, make sense out of the things that don't make any sense. Come and provide emotional, physical, spiritual strength. And God, help us to be there for one another. We can't take your place, Jesus. But Lord, we can be there. Be present. God, come. I pray, Father, even as we were praying for our children today, that as our children raise up and as they face things that are un, uh, unplanned, God, that there would be something in them that, that, like David, they would strengthen themselves. And Lord, help us to help our kids know how to strengthen themselves in you. Lord, we love you and we worship you. And we proclaim, like your scripture says, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. You're faithful to all generations. Oh, Lord, we thank you that your love endures forever. You're good. Your love endures forever. Your faithfulness to all generations. God, you're so good. It is our privilege to worship you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.